Children, if you haven't left yet, I think a lot of you have, but if you haven't left yet and you want to go to a little church, now's the time to go ahead and leave, and your workers are down there to be with you, and so you can go enjoy that. Well, we'll stick around up here, and we will enjoy what God is leading us to do as we continue in our Advent celebration. Uh, as we've begun and are working through this whole process of Advent, we've been looking at love and joy, and today we're going to look at peace. And, and you're going to see that we are going back to some of the same scriptures that we've looked at in the past, but if you really look at them, it's also like the songs we've been singing you just keep seeing love and joy and peace as well as hope coming up over and over again. Sometimes in the scriptures it may be just the one thing we're looking at that will say peace like today. At other times you may see a couple of those terms used at sometimes three and in some places that we will get to four times you'll see all four words appearing it is that they're woven together rather than just being isolated things out there. They, 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 they paint the entire picture of what Advent is all about. And let's remember, in case you haven't been here, we'll throw this up on the screen here for you to take a look at. But for those of you who have been up here, the reason that uh, we celebrate Advent is that Advent reminds us that Advent is about waiting. We learn to wait as we consider Advent. Also, as we look at Advent, it reminds us of what is really important. And today we're going to look at joy and see the significance of joy in our lives and why that's important. But probably the most important thing for us as we look at this holiday time and this season of Advent, the third reason is that Advent reminds us of our part in the process. It's not just waiting on Him to come. It's not just waiting on Him to give us what's really important, but it's also the process that we're involved in in helping others to experience that as well. He's always put us as part of that process. And so we don't forget that. And so far we've looked at love, we've looked at joy, and today we're going to look at peace. And we're going to go right back to where we were last week. We'll start in Galatians chapter 5. Because peace is part of the fruit of the Spirit. So while you're turning there, Galatians chapter 5, we're going to look at verse 22. And we'll see that it's a gift. But, but let's, let me kind of define while you're turning over to Galatians 5 what the word really means. Uh, because when you go back to, to Hebrew, the worm is... The word is shalom. And if you've received any correspondence from me with emails or text or a handwritten letter, I always close with shalom and then my name. And I do that because of what the word shalom really means in the Hebrew language. Uh, shalom can be like that Hawaiian word of aloha. It means hello and and goodbye. You, it depends on the context in which you're using it, whether it's hello or goodbye, obviously. And it's the same way with shalom. It can mean hello or it can mean goodbye as depending upon the context. But there's another meaning of the word shalom, which says this, 
to bind together the fragments of life into a meaningful whole. W-H-O-L-E. And I think that's so impactful for our society because we so often compartmentalize things. Okay, today I'm supposed to be this and tomorrow I'm supposed to be that and I'm doing this now and later I'll do that. And we compartmentalize life. And the word shalom means that we bind all of these things together in a meaningful whole. Not compartmentalized, but together. And the Father is the one who does that. That's the good news. But here's my favorite meaning of the Hebrew word shalom. It's why I use it as my salutation in correspondence and communication. Shalom means may you have no more battles within. Because when I sign a letter or a text or an email or I post on Facebook and I say shalom, what I am saying is to all of my readers, may you have no more battles within. May you experience peace. That's what I want for you. I want you to have peace. Galatians, you've already found it. We know it. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and now we get to peace. And here's the good news. It's a gift to you. You don't have to try to work it up. You don't have to try to create it. It's just like what we talked about last week with joy. It's not something that you can produce and it can't be stolen, it can't be taken away from you because it's a gift of the Spirit that He places within you at the point of your salvation. But peace has a three-dimensional facet to us, and that's what I want to look at today. And we're going to hit the first two relatively quick. We're going to spend the majority of our time over on the last uh, dimension, I will call it, of joy. Let's go back to Isaiah, a passage that we've seen many times before. It's already been read to you. There's repetition of reading the Word because as we repeatedly read it, it begins to soak into us as we get into the Word. We also want the Word to begin to get into us. And if you go back to Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 9, and we go to verse 6 and 7, and we're going to look at the fact that the first dimension of, of this peace is an upward peace. It's between us and God. Look at it, verse 6 of chapter 9 of Isaiah for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Name indicates character. His character is peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Isn't that good news? No end. 
Yes, Christmas season will come and go. His peace will not. At the increase of the government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Not you. He will. He will bring that to be. Let's go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And here we begin to see the upward as well as the inward facet of peace. When we come to know the Father through the Son, we are rightly related with Him because of what Jesus does in saving us, and that makes us right with Him. So He had to come in order to have that happen. And we begin to see the beginning of that on this earth when we get to Luke chapter 2, and we'll start in verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, to the shepherds. They were out taking care of their flocks. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. By the way, let me just stop there and say, peace is not the absence of fear. Peace is not the absence of conflict. I've seen folks that have been in a frightful situation and fear was all around them. And yet there was a peace in their life. I have been with people in the midst of conflict and seen the peace of God just absolutely carrying them through the fear and the conflict. So don't think peace is no fear anymore, no conflict anymore. It's may you have no more battles within, even though around you the war may be raging. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth where you and I are. Peace among those in whom he is well pleased. And when you receive Jesus as your Savior, he is well pleased with your choice. As we are being made right with him in the upward dimension we are becoming right within ourselves in the inward dimension. We have peace. Further to explain that, go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Therefore, Since we have been justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Upward dimension, inward dimension. Since we have been made just as if we had never sinned because of what Jesus Christ has done for us in our lives, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ and we experience that within. So you see the upward dimension as we're right with God. You see the inward dimension as we experience that peace and we're able to let him bind all those fragments of life together to a meaningful whole and then create in us a lifestyle where we have no more battles within because we are at peace with God. But let's turn our attention to the outward dimension because that's where most of us struggle, me included. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. Verse 18. And I think even Paul recognized this as he was writing this to the Roman church. In Romans 12, 18, he said this. If possible. And I think that is a strong phrase. If possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Now let me help you relax. It says, if possibly, because not everybody may respond to you the right way. But that gives you no excuse for not responding the right way to them. Paul's saying, if possible, you, me, us, live peaceably with all those around us. Does somebody have a question like I have when I'm reading that passage of Scripture? A one-word question? How? How? <laughs> okay, great, T-Mac. You're reading the Word, and God says, and you're reiterating it to us. We have to live peaceably with all people as far as we can. How in the world do you do that? I mean, there's some ornery folks out there. Agreed? Some of them live in your house. You may be the one in your house. <laughs> Not that I would ever create tension in my house. Received a text from my one of my daughters yesterday, and she <laughs> she was writing to her mother and me and all of her sisters. We have these family chats, and she said, "I want to apologize for the way I was as a child. For my children have now reached the age." Where they just make noise. They're not saying anything. They're just making noise. 
And she said, I realize I did that. She said, I'm sorry. You should have seen some of the uh, responses to that. It happens. He tells us how. Let's just move up a few verses. He told us how before he ever got to, now do it. But I wanted to get us hungry for it. Go back to verse 9. I'm just going to read this slowly. It doesn't really need an explanation. If you want to know how to live peaceably among people, first of all, he lays a foundation. That's the first thing he does. He says this, let love be genuine. Got it? Let love be genuine. Two, abhor what is evil. I mean, really hate it. Hate what's evil. And hold fast to what is good. Behold, I bring you good news. Great tidings of good news, the angel said. Verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. There is your foundation. If we will begin to do those things by the power of God, not by your might, but by the power of God, allow Him to produce in you that transforming work as you walk with Christ. It will become easier to live peaceably with others. But then he really gets to the how-to after he lays that foundation. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Oh, now, come on, T-Mac. That's just not right. Take it up with God. He said it. Paul wrote it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's what it says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. Don't be proud. But associate with the lowly. Now let me clarify that. He's not talking about classes of people here. What he's talking about are tasks that are of the lowly nature. I was called to the ministry when I was 15. Wasn't quite sure what it was until I became 19. But God put me into training when I was 16. I became the janitor of the church. And I cleaned toilets and waxed floors and vacuumed and did all that 
y'all be amazed at what you leave in your pews on a Sunday morning. There seems some exciting treasures that can be found. That's what he's talking about there when he says, don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Be like Christ, who took off his cloak and took a towel and washed the feet of his disciples. Christ was not lowly, but he was a servant. And he associated with other workers in those lowly tasks done by people of high esteem, children of God. That's what he's saying there. And he says, never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one for evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possibly... If possible, so far as it depends upon you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's how you live peaceably among people. You do your part, and if they say, this is better than the way we were going, then we're all living peaceably. But if you do what you're supposed to do, if you are the person you are supposed to be, and they reject it, You have done your part. If possible, I have attempted to live peaceably with everybody. I've done my part. It's up to them to do the rest. But let me close with one passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 5. Go back to Matthew chapter 5. And we're just going to pick it up. Uh, We're not going to go back and set this in much context other than say this is the very beginning of the the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus was teaching his disciples. And I do believe the Sermon on the Mount takes every basic principle that he taught during his three years and summed them all up in those three chapters. And then as you read the rest of the Gospels, you see those principles fleshed out in stories and parables and lifestyle, but they all come back. And he basically does that in the Sermon on the Mount. And look at verse 9, because he talks about peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now notice he didn't say, you will be blessed, you will be happy, you will have what you need if you love peace. He didn't say that. Did he? I don't think he did. I don't know. No, it says, blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, Probably what he meant was, if you've experienced peace, well, you will when you come to know him, but that's not what he was talking about. Was it? I don't know. Gee, what do you think he was talking about? About being peace, what? 
makers. I remember my mom saying, son, go make your bed. What does that mean? Listen, the the questions are going to get hard in a minute. Jump on the easy ones, okay? (laughs) Make your bed. Blessed are the peacemakers. Go make peace. I spent an hour with a guy yesterday. And we're in an organization that's having some conflict in our organization. By the way, it wasn't a religious organization. But the friend I was talking with is a believer. And our, we spent an hour because we've got a major meeting coming up this week. And we were trying to figure out what can we do to ease the tension, to produce the peace, to resolve the conflict that some of our members are having. That's what God has called us to do, is to go from where we are and make peace out there. Blessed are the peacemakers. That is the outward dimension. We're right with God through Jesus Christ, and because we're right with God, He gives us the inner dimension of peace where we have no more battles within so that we can go out to the world and help them to understand Advent. And our part of the process is to be peacemakers out there. And my question to you this morning is, do you have peace with God? Are you at peace with yourself? And are you a peacemaker in a world full of tension. Let's pray. Father, I know even as I just read that scripture, that is so simple that anybody can get it. And yet, Father, it's hard to do. Would you do a work within us? Even now, for those that are in this room that don't have peace with you, would you draw them unto yourself? Would you help them to see that Jesus is the Prince of Peace? And He is the one who has purchased our salvation. But we must receive it. And today, would they have the courage to pray to receive Jesus as their Savior and make Him their Lord? they might have peace with God. Father, some of us are battling with peace within because life's not easy. May we open ourselves up to you and let you produce in us the peace that only you can produce. And would you help us to leave this place having become right with you vertically and right with ourselves with integrity on the inside may we go out horizontally to a world that desperately needs to hear a message of peace in the hustle and bustle of even this the holiday season 
Father, do what only you can do. And I pray this in Christ's name.